Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. People you would never expect are turning to the food bank. That is according to Helen Donovan, chair of the Board for Fair Share. Since January, 250 new families started using its services. That's nearly five times more than the same period last year. Inflation is crippling. Gas prices, housing costs, living expenses are through the roof. For some, there is little money left to buy food. More young people with families are seeking help. That is on top of the growing number of seniors and others who regularly drop in. The food bank is spending more than $50,000 a month buying food, up from the $40,000 it had budgeted. Donations are down because people are struggling to buy their own groceries and have reduced the number of donations at the grocery stores. For the first time in the history of the food bank, it was short peanut butter. If you don't know, that is a staple item for them. You will want to hear all the details for yourself. It's my pleasure to welcome back Helen Donovan, the chair of the board for the Fair Share Food Bank, to bring us back up to date. Welcome back, Helen Donovan. Thank you very much. Last time we spoke in December, the food bank experienced a 61% increase over the previous year. Can you update us on the current status? Uh, Yes, I can. In fact, since January of this year, we are currently up 43% over the same time frame last year. So on top of the 60% increase last year, uh, significant growth again. I can give you specifics if that is helpful. Yes, I, I would be very interested in if you could kind of break that down for us and give us some real numbers so that we get a, a, a very concrete sense of this. Okay. So the number of households served, and I'm talking January to June now, so the comparisons are are identical. Uh, January to June in 2022, we had 41.76 households, 4,176. And that number is now up to 5,988. And that in terms of the number of individuals served or the mouths fed goes from 10,795 to 16,194. When we put that into context, it just struck me as you're saying those things. We have a population of 20,000 people. How does that relate to to like 16,000 when you're talking about that? Like, well, it's not 16,000 out of the 20. Okay. It's the um, number of, let's say, we'll use households 
So there's 6,000 households that avail of our services. In that household uh, will be two, three people, for example, and their opportunity to come is on a weekly basis. So we look at it in terms of mouths fed as it relates to the amount of product and produce and whatnot that we have to have on hand in order to distribute. So it's it's not 16,000 out of the population of, of Northumberland, for example, but that's the number of times that an individual will put a meal on the table that has originated from fair share. Still a striking number. Yes. Yes. I, I don't. I don't want to take away from that. I was just trying to get my head around in terms of what, you know, what what the population and how many of of our fellow citizens are being uh, forced or turning to you for their services. Help us I with think that. A, another good, uh, Robert. Another good uh, metric here is in January to June of twenty twenty two we had 57 new individuals year over year. And this year we have 251. So more individuals being served more often. Nearly five times more. That's right. Wow. And okay. uh, the, the working poor and the start of seniors now. Only last week, we watched the Bank of Canada hike interest rates once more to 4.75%. And we continue to see high gas prices and grocery bills uh, that remain high. And rents continue to be through the roof. What other factors are you seeing in the people who find themselves coming to the food bank for help? I don't think there needs to be any more because all of those are critical. All of those for anyone to um, have any kind of a life whatsoever uh, has to pay rent, has to put gas in their car if they have one, has to pay insurances. So as I've said before, the food bank is the only free option uh, available in terms of basic necessities. So you spend your money on whatever else you must spend your money on and I think what people have realized is because we're in a position to help and we do and we're willing to do so, they have the burden of having to feed their family and pay their bills somewhat reduced because they can now pay their bills and feed their family by availing of the food bank. You alluded to it earlier, and I'd like to explore it a little bit more, and that is the the demographics of the clients that you serve. You mentioned um, who's coming through the door. What what changes or what increases have you seen thus far? The group between 36 and 50, or let's say 25 to 50, is where the greatest growth is at this point. And I'm suggesting that that's where young families are coming into play. So their bills by and large would be higher. Uh, mortgage rate increases would probably impact these people more so than 
either the younger or the older. Uh, and that's uh, represents about 40, yeah, about close to 40% in that bracket. Um, and that's where I think, I think that's probably where the element of the community itself is most impacted because that's the core of our community. That's, that's the parents who have the children who, if they're enrolled in sports, if they're enrolled in extra school activities, uh, if they need tutoring, that's the demographic that keeps the community alive. And uh, we, we just feel that children especially must have nutritious food. Uh, and, and we've cut back on giving out um, things that we, we haven't purchased non-nutritious food in the last three months. We had to cut back on our funding uh, in terms of our grocery bills. We were over budget by a significant amount. So. Um, that seems really different from things we've talked about in the past. In the past, we've talked about seniors being a growing number of people that have come. Have those numbers, you, you alluded to this earlier, but I just want to make sure I understand. Are we still seeing the same high number of seniors using uh, the food bank? The, um, the number of seniors rose from, in the same period that we're talking about, from 236 to 306. So there was certainly an increase in that demographic. Um, but the, mo the more significant growth was in the 36 to 59. Explain, or can you help us understand what that group represents and, and why you think they're, they're coming? Well, I think that's the group with children um, who have costs associated with participating on a sports team, going to a school trip, uh, constantly needing new shoes, new clothes. Uh, dad or mom have to have a car pretty much to drive them around. So gas is required. Increased in mortgage rates, increased in fuel costs. Um, all of those things put a real burden on that family and quite often mom and dad are working in that family. And so they sit back and analyze where can they spend their money and they pay their bills and there's not much money left over. So they come to the food bank for help. As I'm listening to you talk, it strikes me that we're not talking about people who don't have a job or are on a government program. What we're talking about are people who are working, who are trying to make a go of it and are just falling short. I, I, am I hearing that correctly? You are, unfortunately, Robert, you are. Um, we opened in Coburg on Saturday morning specifically to address that group. Um, 
because up to that point in time, we were open mainly through the week. Uh, so Saturday has a full slate of volunteers and a full slate of people coming for assistance. And um, we just we just know from the requests that we're getting uh, now as we end the school year, school lunches and that sort of thing won't be as important. But, you know, children at home eat a lot. <laughs> and and uh, the burden on the family to eat during the summer months is probably higher than it is during the school year. Uh, kids are around, they want snacks, they want juice, they um, are always opening the fridge door and whatnot. So uh, I think the summer is going to um, be a bit of a challenge for people, quite frankly. How are you as the food bank finding it for sourcing the resources that you need, especially the food. How are these factors that we've discussed uh, impacting the food bank's ability to provide for clients? We have established resources uh, and sources of food throughout the county primarily. In a couple of cases, we've had to go outside the county because of the availability and price warrants doing that. But the relationships have been established with the various supermarkets and wholesalers and retailers, and they're very good to us. Uh, they advise us in advance when there's an opportunity to order a special at their special prices. Uh, they make us aware when there's food that's uh, not able to be sold and, and pass that on to us. So those relationships are very strong within the county, and we're very grateful for that. But you did mention earlier that your budgets are being strained when it comes to buying food. Talk a bit about that, please. Well, our original budget for the year on a monthly basis to spend was $43,000. And by the end of March, we were up in the $50,000, $52,000 range. So we have a food committee which sat down and reviewed what we were buying and what where we were spending and how we could spend a little less. So we decided we would only distribute nutritious food from the perspective of what we bought. So if a company donates um, sweets or cookies or something of that nature, we'll be happily um, going to give those out. But if, they, if we don't get those donations, we don't distribute them. Um, we haven't cut back on protein or milk, uh, or dairy, or vegetables and fruit. Um, we have limited in cases of um, things like ketchup and mustard, you know, condiments and whatnot, which used to be available uh, all the time. So we've held back on those. They're available maybe twice a month instead of every week. Um, and the same thing with for the first time ever in the history of the food bank, two weeks ago, we ran out of peanut butter. And what's happening now, Robert, is someone who ordinarily would put four or five items in their grocery cart when they went to get their groceries and then put it in the bin at the exit of the supermarket, they can't afford to buy those extra three or four items. So the cost of food doesn't only directly impact us as to what we're buying, 
it substantially reduces the amount of food that we collect uh, on, a, on a food drive or just on a daily basis from the supermarket bins. So everyone is impacted by those costs. And as a result, uh, we will be launching for the first time since pre-COVID uh, a fundraising campaign this fall. Um, we have had to dip into our reserves in order to meet the demand. And we are very fiscally responsible from the perspective of making sure we have the appropriate reserve funds to be sustainable throughout the future because this issue is not going away, unfortunately. Uh, and we have to be prepared to replace our trucks or vans, our fridges, our freezers, uh, so we can't run ourselves dry financially. So. The board in May made that decision. We came up with uh, three or four strategies to make sure we remain viable. And so this fall, hopefully with the help of the community and people like yourself, uh, we will launch into a campaign to, uh, to keep the doors open. It sounds to me like you're being squeezed on two sides. You've got the inflation and the additional costs and the uh, additional people that are trying to access your services. And then on the flip side, you're, you're getting pressure because everybody else is suffering in the, in the same regard. And therefore it, you're not getting as much financial donations or donations of food. How do you balance that out? Well, I think one thing that needs to be um, heard is that the board and the more than 150 volunteers that work on a daily basis do all of this on a volunteer basis. So our administrative and operating costs are kept to a minimum relative to many other charities. And I think that speaks well for the integrity of the organization and certainly for the dedication of the people that work here. We just got a grant um, from the Trillium Foundation, which is going to enable us to hire and in fact, the hiring practice has been done and the person's starting later this week to be our volunteer coordinator. Um, at the beginning of this year, we started to dissect all of the various tasks that are necessary in the sequence in which they are necessary to get the job done. And I promise you, it's a very complex uh, operation that's being run here. And um, each area is dependent upon the other. Each one requires the support and realization that we are going through a cultural change as volunteers. We need young people. We need able-bodied people. When crates of food come in, um, People in their 60s and 70s don't have the same lifting capacity. If there's a message you can get out to your listeners, um, able-bodied people are so welcome to help us out. Um, uh, you know, please get in touch and go online. Uh, I think we can we can manage our way through as long as we don't tire out our volunteers to the point where they say, you know what, I I just can't manage this any longer. I I can't, uh, I can't keep it up. So 
that's our biggest need right now. Are you talking to other food banks throughout the county or elsewhere? Actually, there was a conference just this past weekend. I didn't attend. My uh, the vice chair, Dick Calling, attended with our uh, volunteer coordinator, uh, food bank coordinator, and she has come back. I think I think we're blessed uh, comparatively to others. Most food banks operate on a once a month, maybe twice a month, where we are on a, a weekly basis. Uh, I think we have a very generous community. And I think that um, in, in many ways, we're, we're a bit of a gold standard for food banks. I, it's, not a, it's not a position I'd like to be in, quite frankly, like not to exist. But um, uh, we, we, we're fortunate in, in having reserve funds that enabled us to make some infrastructure changes. Uh, Cameco provided a grant last year, which made a substantial difference to us. And um, we are able to, to, to get our ways through. And I came from, uh, from a meeting this morning with other volunteer agencies and getting volunteers is a, a challenge for any agency in the, in the county, probably everywhere. So um, we feel we have to go out into the high schools. We have to get people back into the world of volunteerism. Um, and I guess provide a safety net for those who need us that isn't being provided through government funds and government support. I'd like to come back to that later. What I would like to ask you now, though, is the Colborne fire where the grocery store is closed. The long-term impact on food security when that happens is pretty substantial. Has there been any response from the food bank to that? Or have you talked to anybody within the community um, about the role of the food bank? Actually, yes. Uh, we had a, f a food drive planned in conjunction with the Colbert Police, the Crama Cruiser, which they very generously host for us every year. And this upcoming one on Saturday the 16th will be entirely passed over to Colbert. So any funds donated and any food donated will go directly to them. We don't often talk about food security, but it speaks not to just what goes on with your clients, but to the community at large. Anybody that's in a precarious position uh, when it comes to sourcing good, nutritious food is always at risk of falling on the other side, I guess, if you will. And I have no doubt you and your board discussed this. Can you share some of the concerns that you and your board have in the larger context of food security within our area? Well, I think the health and safety of the area is somewhat like a puzzle and that there are many components to having a healthy, safe community and food access and health and a sense of friendliness and support 
overall, I think, brings a sense of contentment to the community, which reduces stress and pressure uh, to to misbehave, to to uh, find alternate ways of of uh, and choices for your life. Not to diminish uh, some of the issues that do exist in the county, but I honestly believe that there would be more of them. Uh, if the community at large was not as generous and as helpful and welcoming. I think we're very, very lucky here in, in Port Hope and Coburg specifically. And we use the, the word neighbor. And um, I was just completing my report for the AGM, which is on the 22nd. And I said, you know, we adopted that word and it took a little bit of time to get used to using it. But it feels so much better to be helping a neighbor than to be giving a handout to a person. And just that word, I think, alone has significance in how you feel about people and how they feel about you. We've spoken in the past about the need for a comprehensive approach to helping our neighbors and those in need. Has there been any progress in this area since we last spoke? I just this morning was at a meeting that I think is going to uh, move in that direction where, uh, and this is a post COVID and could be argued, I guess it's a little bit late to get started on this, but everybody had their own, their own tasks to do in a post COVID to the point it's only now that we're able to come together collectively. And uh, my prediction is in, in 2024, you're going to see a much more cohesive uh, effort made on all of the, from all of the agencies in the community towards all of those in the community who need us. Um, and for example, here at the food bank, every second week, we have someone come in from the legal society. And if any of our neighbors are in need, of uh, some advice as to where to go to get help from a legal perspective. We have a small office that they can have a confidential conversation. But there's no doubt that uh, the, the efforts of all of the agencies would be stronger collectively than any one of us are individually. So personally, I see that as a, as a goal um, to, to work towards knowing what else is out there, who else is out there. And if I can help in some way to bring that together, uh, I'll be happy to do that in the future. In April, some staggering figures were released from the Daily Bread Food Bank in Toronto. They are feeding record numbers uh, and the budgets are just astronomical. They spend as much in a month now or helping people as they used to spend in a year. When you think, or when you look at, excuse me, when you look at the various levels of government, what sort of policies do you think are needed to make a major difference to the current situation? I, um, I feel that the need for the most part has been ignored. I believe that the... Um, system needs to be revamped so that um, access to necessities such as food uh, are not 
left in the hands of a group of volunteers and a group of good-natured residents of a community. When you go back 35, 40 years ago, when food banks became first uh, known in this community especially, it was for a very few people and it was on an emergency basis. The fact that we are now the supermarket of choice for 6,000 households is criminal in my opinion. I just, I don't see how, how that can be. There has to be uh, policies and procedures and opportunities in place where um, people are able to earn their money and they're able to be able to spend it proportionately in keeping their family safe and housed and fed. So I, uh, I can't stray too far into the political arena in terms of, uh, of, of feelings and comments. I'd be happy to have that one online with you somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, Is there something at the municipal level of government either locally or at the county, that can make a difference? At the county or municipal level, I'm going to say no. Um, I think that the municipal budgets, county budgets are stretched. I think they're um, thoughtfully applied to the costs that are realities. I think in the same way that we made a strategic decision not to knock on the doors of too many small retailers and individuals to look for support, um, our strategy has become to go after big money. And so I think collectively, um, we have to go after big money at the provincial and federal level. Um, we have to be able to uh, get grants and funding, and I'll use COVID as an example, we did not have any funding prior to COVID. We had so much funding during COVID that we got ourselves into a financial situation where we then had to be audited because we were over the 300,000 mark. And so if that money became available through COVID, and then was removed post-COVID, it really speaks to the lack of a long-term strategy to address food insecurity, housing prices, and all of the other things that contribute to a family not being able to get up and look after themselves. You talked uh, briefly about what's coming up for the summer and some of your concerns. Can you elaborate what do you see going forward over the summer and into the fall in terms of uh, demand for service and your ability to meet that demand? Um, we're prepared to meet the demand. Uh, again, strategically, we have plotted out our plan to meet a growing number. The, the scale continues to rise, and we know that, and we um, are are working proactively to make sure that we're prepared. Um, to the extent 
of how long that can last. Um, we had a we had a reserve, if you like, uh, a contingency fund that had a, a I think a ten to twelve month um, stability just a few months ago, and it's down to the you know the the eight to ten month, and that's what if we had a tragedy of some sort? What if we had an environmental crisis whereby the food bank was serving not only people who typically come to the food bank, but are now on our doors because of some emergency that's happened. And uh, not to be doomsday about it all, but we try and make sure that fiscally and proactively we do what needs to be done. So um, we're, we're well positioned for the future. Well, I guess the, the coal burn fire is a, a good example of that. It is a good example. I mean, uh, here you have a, a community served by one supermarket, and all of a sudden uh, the resources are, are gone for everyone there. It's not just food bank people, but anyone who may do their shopping, people who live nearby who don't have transportation. And I know that there's some efforts being made uh, in terms of, of transportation services and whatnot to help people out there. But that's a classic case where not being prepared or not having a reserve would be disastrous. What events do you have planned for the summer in terms of uh, fundraising or collecting donations? You mentioned Grandma Cruiser was one. Anything else we can look forward to over the summer? Uh, yes, the uh, real estate board is hosting uh, a golf tournament at Ashbrook Golf Country on Dale Road, and that's the 23rd of August. And they generously are passing all proceeds over to Fair Share. Um, and we were their recipient last year. We're very privileged to be chosen again as their, uh, as their charity of choice. So as many golfers can, I think it's $150 for um, the, the day, including a meal, and uh, all funds raised will come to fair share. And the summer activity basically is just that one. Uh, in the fall, we have some, in, some plans in, in, the, in the works right now, which I'm not able to share at this stage of the game, but... Um, it will be way more focused um, come September. Well, we'll look forward to hearing about that uh, come the fall. Okay. Helen, Helen Donovan, thank you so much for talking to me today. My pleasure, Robert. Thank you. That was Helen Donovan, chair of the board for the Fair Share Food Bank. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this.
Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.